0: Well, glad you are here tonight, glad you are tuning in. Thank you, Father. Man, worship will just mess you up if you let it. I, I, I really wonder how people cannot <laughs> just get wrecked in the presence of God. Oh, well, there's a lot going on. We're not going to give you a lot of announcements tonight. Um, you can expect those on Sunday. Tonight, I just want to spend a few minutes with you just discussing uh, uh, just just the, the, the person of Jesus, and our description of him is so different than, than, than what uh, most people have. Now, you're going to hear a message at the end of this message, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute, but uh, I reached out to a friend of mine uh, I became acquainted with um, from Toronto and I said please just send me a quick word just a greeting to the church and uh, he sent me something and I I let D listen to it today and it's like he had no clue of the things that I was ministering today but you know that's how God does things Um, and so we want to look at a few specific things today and what I want to minister to you excuse me, is about what really happened at the cross. What really took place at the cross? Because I think so many times we, we, we think, well, Jesus hung and he was beaten and he was crucified. And, and, but we don't understand what that did to us. See, the cross did something to us. And, and so many times we think, well, it, we did it to Jesus. And, um, but no, it, it did something to us. And so the first thing, place I want to start today is John chapter 1, verse 29. I'm just going to grab my water here, real quick. <clears throat> oh, that music got me messed up, forgot my water. <laughs> John chapter 1, verse 29, and I'm reading out of the voice translation for this one. And it goes on to say that. The morning after this conversion, John sees Jesus, conversation, I'm sorry, John sees Jesus coming toward him, and in eager astonishment, he shouts out. Now, this is the declaration of the one crying in the wilderness. This is the declaration of the one who was sent to precede Jesus' coming and to tell everyone about Jesus' coming. And, And he says, look this is the man, this man is more than he seems. I love how the voice puts it there. He said, look, this man is more than he seems. He is the lamb sent from God, the sacrifice to erase the sins of the world. Now we know what the King James Version says. The King James Version says, Behold the Lamb of God which comes to take away the sin of the world. But I love how the <coughs> excuse me. I love how the voice puts it there. It said, This man is more than he seems. He is the Lamb sent from God, the sacrifice to erase. See, sometimes you've got to remember something sin to us and to humanity it was written on tables and it was written on stone and and here's the thing that Jesus came to do he came to erase something you see when it's erased off the paper it doesn't exist anymore there is no more writing left there because the writing that was written against us has been completely wiped away because the lamb has come (coughs) and see Jesus not only came to die for our sins, but he came to erase them, to remove them, to take them away. So many times we get on this thing, well, Jesus came to take my sin. Well, he did more than take your sin. He came to eradicate sin in its entirety. And so many times we glory in salvation and we glory in all this thing, but we struggle with the reality that Christ has forever settled the sin problem. I don't know about you, but I'm, you could shout. I, don't, I can hear it all over. He came to eradicate. He came to take away the sin of the world. And so, what does the cross on today when we we see, we set aside to honor the crucifixion? Now we we know that we know this is probably not the day it happened. Um, besides, tomorrow would be the Sabbath, anyhow. But we're not getting into that. This is the day we've set aside to celebrate it. And so, as we celebrate that. <clears throat> what does the cross mean for us? And that's what I want to look at tonight, is what did that cross really mean for you and I? It's one thing to say, um, it's one thing to say, well, the cross did this and the cross did that, but today I want to just dive in just a little bit uh, and, and, and see some of these things. So if you've got a Bible or you, got, or you want to, um, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And I'm reading from the New King James because I want to discuss something today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And uh, excuse the hand that's reaching me, coffee. (laughs) Thank you. He says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he said, For he made him who knew no sin." Now, uh, now you, I want you to put that together with what John said. John said, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin. And, and, and Paul's referring back to this. He said, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. See, why did, how could Jesus take away and erase the sin of the world? Because he took it all on himself. The word says there that he was made sin. He didn't take sin. Now, how do we get our head around that? Because he's 100% God. But let's, let's go on. He said, for he made him who knew no sin, so he didn't sin and participate in sin, but he became sin, and that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And the thing that I wanna focus on real quick is not so much that Jesus became sin so that we might be made the right, but I wanna focus on The the part that says that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, so many times when we hear that word might in our vernacular today, um, we read it as if it's something to attain. Well, I might be able to do that. Or I might get there. Or I might get here. Or I might be able to do this thing. And the thing is, is that word might there is not something to be obtained, to attain. We read it as, well, we, that somebody might be. They're not necessarily are, but they might be the righteousness of God. And um, if they, if we look at it that way, when we look at the definition of this word, if they might be, then Jesus died for nothing. That means he came to do a work that really is not complete unless somebody else has a hand in it. Ha, ha, ha. Mm. that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. So we read it as it might be something that happens. We read it as it's something uh, that somebody might work for or expect to become a reality. But in, actual, in actuality, that word might there actually means this, to come into existence, to appear in history. Oh my goodness. To appear in history to come on the stage to be made finished. Oh, that excites me. I got faces in here today. I've got my three and, 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 and Sheila and, and Larry and we're all spaced out in here. So if you see me going like this, it's cause I'm trying to look at them. <clears throat> but here's what it, that word says. So what that Paul's really saying here is Jesus became sin for you and I, even though he never sinned himself. He never participated in sin, but he became sin. Why? And in doing so, he has made us the righteousness of God. We have come upon the scene as the righteousness of God. We have been made and finished. That's what he means here. That word might means to be made finished. And Jesus said what? It is finished. What was finished? The sin issue, the sin problem for the entire world. He has taken all that. Yeah, but so many people are still doing this and they're still doing that. And that's because nobody's ever told them they don't have to anymore. If we would, I'm not going to get into that. It's finished. It's funny that the word might means finished. One of the definitions is finished. Go, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. i only got a few verses tonight. Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 18 and 19. I'm reading out of the J.B. Phillips translation here. And while you're flipping or while you're looking, uh, don't forget, get your elements for communion. We're going to take communion together as a family. Uh, but Romans chapter 5 Verses 18 and 19, and I love how the Phillips translation puts it here. He said in verse 18, We see then that as one act of sin exposed the whole race of man to judgment, to God's judgment and condemnation. So one man's sin exposed everybody. Now, because of the sin of Adam, We have to get that. It was because of Adam's sin that we, that the whole race of man was exposed to judgment, to God's judgment and condemnation. But you've got to read the rest of the verse. So one act of perfect righteousness, Jesus' act of perfect righteousness presents all men freely acquitted in the sight of, oh my goodness. I have to stand on that one, sorry Reese. We see that the act of sin exposed the whole race of men to God's judgment and condemnation. So the one act of perfect, Jesus is that act of perfect righteousness. And because of that one act of perfect righteousness, He now presents all men freely acquitted in the sight of God. See, one man got us into all of it, and one man got us out of all of it. This is the power of the cross. This is what the cross did for you. This is what the cross did for me. This is what the cross has done for this entire universe. (coughs) Excuse me. Corinthians tells us that, you know, it was God in Christ reconciling the world. That word world there actually means cosmos. He reconciled the entire cosmos back to himself. Everything has been reconciled back to God. And so now God presents, Jesus presents us, all men freely acquitted in the sight of God. Verse 19. One man's disobedience placed all men under the threat of condemnation. But one man's obedience has the power to present all men righteous before God. Oh, that wrecks me just thinking about it. One man got us in, one man got us out. And as much as you didn't have anything to do with getting us in there, you didn't have anything to do with getting us out either. (laughs) It was all Jesus. See, the power of the cross means the power was taken out of our hands and placed in the sovereignty of God. Mm. Go to 1 Peter chapter uh, 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'm just dropping this on you today. This is actually my last scripture. Because it's, it, it, this is just the power of the cross. 1 Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all. It was Christ's suffering. It was Christ's death. Now the word, and I'm not going into it tonight, but the word tells us that we have been co-crucified, that his sufferings were our sufferings. His death was our death. His resurrection was my resurrection. His seated into the throne. Ephesians tells me that now I'm seated on the throne with him. The word, Ephesians says that we have been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Glory. Christ suffered and died for sins once and for all. The innocent for the guilty. That's what we were. We were guilty. But the innocent took our place. Now, why did he do it? Now, I love love the rest of this verse. Why did he do it? To bring you near to God by his body being put to death and by being raised to life by the Spirit. The whole purpose of the cross was to bring you and present you before your Father as if sin was never an issue in your life. Glory. That's the power of the cross. That's what it did. It's not what And it's what it continues to do in us, and what it's doing for, through us every day, as we continue to have our minds open and the realization come to our hearts and our understanding of who we are and who we are in Him and who He is to us and how He actually sees us. Let me read that again. First Peter chapter three, verse 18. "Christ suffered and died. For sins once and for all. So you don't have to suffer and die for them anymore. It's already been done. The innocent for the guilty. To bring you near to God by his body being put to death. And by being raised to life by the spirit. The power of the cross has brought you near to God. I don't know where you're sitting today and I don't know what you're going through and we live in a turmoil time, a tumultuous time right now and there is all kinds of craziness going on and people say, I feel far from God. Folks, you are never, ever, ever far from God because what Jesus did in his body and in his resurrection brought you near to God. <sighs> Glory to God. That makes me want to shout. His body... And his resurrection brought you and I near to God. We aren't far from God. God is not far from us. Sometimes I feel like God's so far away. It's because we've let the enemy. The Bible says that the enemy of this world blinds our minds to what this truth is. Sometimes we just need to take the blinders off. I want to tell you a real quick story uh, before I introduce this video. Uh, and it's a story that, that I came across a while back, several years ago, actually, from Dwight L. Moody. Um, and he tells the story of a young man who didn't want to serve in Napoleon Bonaparte's army. Everybody know Napoleon, he conquered everything and everybody, but this young man didn't want to serve in Napoleon's army. And when he got drafted, one of his friends volunteered to go in his place. And so the substitution was made and, and, and sometimes later, the surrogate who went in his place was killed. Well, the same young man who got drafted originally through some clerical error got drafted again. And he, he went before the draft people of, the, of that time and told them, you can't take me. And the, and the officers were startled, he said, I'm dead. He said, I died on the battlefield. And they argued, we can see you right here, my friend. You're standing right here in front of us, you know, and so this argument happened. But he kept insisting, look at the roll, you will find a record of my death. Look at the book, you'll find a record of my death. And sure enough, when they began to look at the book, there was the man's name with another man's name written beside of it. Oh, and this case, he argued all the way to Napoleon. And Napoleon himself, after examining all the evidence, this is what he said, through a surrogate, no man can die more than once. let he's talking about you, you're dead. You're dead. Now you are alive in Christ as the body of Christ. The surrogate took our place. His death was our death and death no longer can reign in us anymore. We can't be put to death again. We can't be tried for it again because that old man's dead. We've been made alive in Christ, a brand new reality. Let me finish this. No man can die more than once. Therefore, the law has no claim on him. Folks, if that's not the perfect picture of the power of the cross, where a surrogate took our place, died our death, and when he resurrected, he resurrected our resurrection. All to the fact to bring you and me near to God. Jesus bore a cross. The penalty was paid. He died in our place. And now you don't have to die again because you're already dead. And therefore the law has no claim on you. That's the power of the cross. Oh, glory. (laughs) Glory. I'm just, I'm kind of wrecked here, folks. I don't, you know, I'm... <sighs> <sighs> I want to introduce someone to you. Like I said, I met this gentleman uh, in Toronto, uh, Canada, when I went there with uh, Tim Wright uh, back in January of 19, I think. And um, he's got a great heart and a great insight and so I sent him a message this week, along with several others, and I asked him, what word would you give to our church? And I asked him to just to, to, to give a word. And uh, he sent it to me and said, I'm not going to post this publicly until, on, on, at least on Facebook, and, and, until your people see this. And, uh, and so if, uh, Reese, and if you all can work that out, his name is Eric... Wilding. And he's a, 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 actually a doctor of, a, and teaches in a university in Toronto, Canada. So listen to this word from Eric real quick.
1: We all need to repent. We need to change our minds. We need to change our point of view about Jesus Christ. For too many people have shallow, weak Jesuses that they only make him savior by their vote. My brothers and sisters, the kingdom is not a democracy. Republicans, Democrats, don't make Jesus king. We live in a monarchy. We live not in a constitutional monarchy. We live in an absolute monarchy, and Jesus is absolutely the king. He is the Christ, the Christos, the one anointed by the Father, with the holy spirit we had nothing to do with that we do not make jesus our christ he is already christ by god's sovereign act it's the father's will that jesus is the christ and he has given him the name jesus that is god saves we don't make him savior jesus is king he is savior by divine fiat by a divine act That is, by the Father's will, Jesus is both Savior and Christ. We have nothing to do with that. It is an absolute act by the Father, and we simply get to receive his kingship. We don't make him our Savior. He has made himself our Savior by saving us. Even when we were against him, his enemies, his traitors, his rebels... He took us into His kingdom. He took us into Himself. That is, one man died for all, therefore all died. We died with the King. We died with the Savior. His saving royal act saved us, set us free, and He raised us up together with Himself even when we were dead in our trespasses and even when we were His enemies. He saved us. We had nothing to do with it. We had no choice when we were dead. We were rescued by our Savior. What is our responsibility in this? Just to declare that he is the king and the Savior. He is the absolute monarch. And then to enjoy a relationship with the king. He has called us. His children, the Father's children, He has called us co-heirs with Himself. That is, we can rule and reign with Him. There are benefits to believing that Jesus is the absolute monarch, the absolute Lord, Savior, and King. That is, you get to be a king with Him, you get to be a priest with Him, you get to be a Lord with Him. And you don't lord it over others, but you get to serve and to love one another. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people especially those who believe. And believe what? Believe that he is the savior of all people. He has already done it. He did it from the cross. When he said, it is finished, he had already drawn us into himself and finished off the old creation, and made us new creations in Himself. He rules and reigns over everyone and everything. Now we need to believe it in order to declare it. We need to repent, change our minds of this weak Jesus, uh, just uh, trying to get some votes, to win some votes. We need to declare the King who has won everyone and everything in himself and raise them in himself to new life to share that life with the father so i bless you brothers and sisters on this good friday in jesus name
0: i hope you got some of that i i I've, i got excited when he sent me that because he didn't know what i was ministering on tonight i just asked him to send that word so i hope that blessed you I want to ask my kids, they're going to come up here and join me and their mama, and uh, we want to do communion with you guys. I'll give you a few moments to get set up, and uh, let's put these two lovely girls together, Ace. And then I'll be the monkey in, the, in, in, in here. Come on over this way, guys. Come close to me. Uh, Sheila and her husband are way back there having communion, and I hope you're joining us today. Because the power of the cross is represented in what God has done here. Paul said that a lot of times many are sick and some have even died because they don't discern the body. One thing the Lord started talking to me about several years ago was communion is our common union. So not only are we representing Jesus' body and blood, but we're representing each other. Because we are the body of Christ. So this body is you. This body is me. This body is you. And we are receiving each other. Not only are we participating in Jesus' blood and in Jesus' body, but we're participating in each other. And uh, so with that said, the word tells us that the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, that he took a bread and he broke it and he passed it out to those who were there with him. And he told him, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He said, take and eat. And he told him to do it until the day he comes. This is the body that was broken for you. This is the body that was broken for me. And in doing this, we receive health. We receive healing. We receive the completion and the fullness of the Father and everything in it, just like he always is in us. And this represents that we are taking, not only did he take us, did we take him into, into our lives right now, But bigger than that is he invited us into his. So take the bread and enjoy the body of Christ. (laughs) Mm. And then he took the cup. When he had supped, he, he said, this is the blood of a brand new covenant. Something that had never been the finished work that has come on the scene. He said, take and drink. And in this blood, there's health there's healing, there's unity, there's antibodies. Viruses are broken because of the blood of Jesus. And so I invite you, let's enjoy the blood. <laughs> oh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Listen, I'm so glad you guys can go back. I am so glad and I hope you receive something here tonight. I hope God has blessed you. Uh, well, I know he has because you're alive. But I pray that this message has brought you and encouraged you to realize who you really are in Christ. Don't forget, join us Sunday morning for our Easter live stream. I know it's difficult, we wanna to be together in Easter time, we wanna uh, be there, but you know what, we're still together. There, Just like there's no separation between us and God, There's no separation between you and I right now because the body is the body and you can't separate us. And so with that, as we say here every week, you are blessed whether you like it or not, so you may as well enjoy it. Amen? I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Easter Live.